Hey guys, welcome back to Couple Goals with SM. Hello everyone. How are you, Maggie? I'm okay, how are you? I'm still sick, kind of. Not really sick, I just don't sound good, so. I sound more nasally than usual. <clears throat> There's going to be a lot of throat clearing. Oh good, that's really. A lot of, a lot of snot and snorting and things like that. So How do I sound? Do I sound good? No. Oh. You don't. You sound sick as well. Well, that's because somebody here likes to breathe in my mouth while I sleep. <laughs> I don't and know you might not is. know that because you're sleeping, but that's one of your favorite pastimes. That, that's what once I do. you're asleep. I layer over you and breathe in your mouth. No, once you're asleep, you roll back over to face me. Yeah. And you breathe directly <laughs> into my mouth. So I, so. you know, I always wake is. up on my left side, so I'm pretty sure that's not true. No, it's true. Nah. So you breathe directly into my mouth. So you did that before I left for New York. Every, everyone in this house has gotten sick, Maggie. So you breathe directly into my mouth. And then I went to New York. And on day two of my New York trip, I started to get sick. Yeah. So. It sucks. Fuck you. <laughs> and fuck your fu mouth breathing right into my mouth while Couple I. Goes. While I'm sleeping. Couple goes. And then I spent, so I thought like, everyone's like, New York is so overpriced, which I'd been to New York plenty of times. Right. Like, that's not what, Yeah, I'm not acting like, <laughs> can you believe the prices? Right. But, so I go to New York and I'm like, oh God, I'm sick. I'm going to go get DayQuil and it's going to be $75. Right. It's not expensive. I don't know what everybody's talking about. Like, things are expensive in New York. That's not they do saying. have a higher cost of living. Right, they do. But things like I mean, medicine... When we went last seemed... time, nothing really seemed overpriced. But when we went, when I went the first time, I remember appetizers at some shitty oh, restaurant we went, were like $15 or something. We went to, and we went to like Bennigan's or something. Yeah, that's what we I mean. We went to some shitty chain. Right. And it was like... We were like, oh, we'll just get like potato skins. And they were fucking terrible and they were overpriced. Right. That's one thing. But like I went to CVS and I was like, I want to pay out the nose for fucking Dayquil. I got Dayquil, Mucinex, Band-Aids, blister thing and toothpaste all for $25. That's literally cheaper than what I would pay at Target here. <laughs> and I got that at CVS and it was like regular full size items. Great job. So... Showed up your ass, people telling me that New York is expensive. New York is expensive, though. But it is for other things. It all yeah, depends what it you're... It still is. Just because your depends. meds weren't that expensive. It just depends what you're getting. Apparently, they want their people to be healthy, so they don't mark up that, those prices. Because <laughs> they're like, yeah, we can't have you all walking around here infecting each other. This is a very congested city. Yeah. So they're like, treat that. Treat those symptoms. Hey, so since we last recorded, we went and saw It Chapter 2. Yeah. You guys might not know this, but you probably know this. But Maggie is a big It fan. She I am. She is the It fan in the house. I am. And while she was... I have been an It fan since I was a child. Yeah. Which is like a weird thing to say, <laughs> but like I owned the book as a child. I had the... Like I watched the miniseries as a child. Yeah. I am an It fan. And while I was gone... Sean decided to take that opportunity to watch everything I like while I'm not home. So this is what happens when Maggie's not here is I, I miss her dearly. And I think a couple goals, I think because because of that, I started to do things 
that that she would do if she were here. So I watched. I went on like an it deep dive, watched behind the scenes stuff. I watched the bought the miniseries digitally. I have it on DVD somewhere, but I'm I'm not watching DVDs anymore. Those are that's terrible. It's like watching a VHS tape. It's just bad, bad quality. It looks terrible on a 4K TV. <coughs> so I got it digitally. I rewatched it chapter uh, one. Uh, started reading the book. Quickly stopped because I remembered why I stopped reading initially. Stephen King just he he has a style of writing that's not for me a lot of times, which is a little too much detail for things but, that aren't too much detail on things that don't matter to me. But then when scenes come up that do require detail, he really delivers. And so that's good. I will say this though. So I've read the book multiple times, and that's why we own it that way is because I wanted to read it again and I bought it on on Kindle. Um, I also got the audiobook from the library, which I think I'm going to buy the audiobook because you get it at a discount when you already own it on Kindle. You get an audible discount. Yeah. Um, but I so I got it from the library because I was like, I want to listen to this again. So or and I I went to go listen to it. It's 44 hours and 56 minutes long. That, so yeah, it's like a 1300 page book. Or so something. you've got to you've got to commit. Number one. Number two, I'm talking about the 2016 recording. And it is so well read by this Stephen whoever guy. Yeah. It is so well read that you the the detail is perfection. Like it's. You, I might not mind it so much if I was being read. Yes. To. So I think I'm going to I'm going to buy that uh, the audible and yeah. then you can just log into my audible and listen. And it's just. It's so good. Yeah, so Maggie came back and she was upset that I I became yeah, an it fan. While because she was like gone. I'm when I'm here, he's like all Spider Man all the time, all Batman all the time. <laughs> Have you ever seen so, this web shooter? This web shooter is so good. I'm a fucking me? nerd. And like <laughs> that's what I that's live you. with, folks. This is my support system. <laughs> but you know, like, I've been watching Star Wars recently. You have like been watching Star Wars if you've recently. Noticed. I have this week has been well since I've been home has been a Star Wars week, but like oh, right up until the day the the fucking ten minutes before I walked in the door, however, it was it week. Yeah. And then the second I walk in, you're <laughs> like, "Have you seen Star Wars?" <laughs> I'm like, "What? What happened?" I like you, you were so cool while reminded, I was gone. It makes reminds me of you because that's your that's your fandom. <sighs> so I started watching a lot of it stuff. Never been a huge it fan, and it, it's kind of funny too because I'm I'm the fanboy in the house. She's not like a huge fan of of many things, and so she she gets upset when I don't know things or I try to tell her things she already knows, and she gets so put out. And it's to me, it's just hilarious because it's it's just turnabout because all the time I don't get offended when you don't know things about the stuff I'm passionate about, but you get offended when I imply that you might not know something that apparently I've already told you yeah. about said property. Like Mezzets. Mezzets. One time. So there were there was a toy line called Mezzets. I don't know Made if it's by still Mezco around. Toys. Mezco's still around. And yeah. I don't okay. think they make Mezzets anymore. So Mezzets what there was a toy line and Sean is into a lot of different figures. And he was into Mezzets for a while. Not into them, but he was aware of them and talked about them. Yeah, I don't think I ever bought it. And he one time was like, blah, 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 mezzets, and, you know, whatever. And then fast forward a little bit, and he's like, you know what mezzets are? 
That's that's like asking, it condescending at all. By that's the way. like asking me, like, <laughs> have you paid attention to anything we've talked about for the last three to six months? That's what that's essentially. I asking just assume me. no one. I, here, here's why, actually. I'm going to go out. I'm going to I'm going to call out my boy, Steve. Steve doesn't remember anything I tell him ever. Right. So. Well, Steve is very self-centered. So that's why <laughs> he's listening to like he's listening to so that he can get ready to speak again. He's not listening <laughs> to hear you he, in the middle of conversations. He'll be like, what? What did you just say? Yeah. And I, I just have to re say everything I just said. That's why I skip over but it, I'm but. listening to you. We are in a relationship. But that's what I'm used to dealing with is Steve. And he no, and I you tell shouldn't be. You shouldn't be times. because we've been together for almost 19 <laughs> years. So that's not what you should be used to dealing with. In my brain, I'm used to people not processing in or remembering Sean's, what I've said. In Sean's brain, we've been together for approximately six months. <laughs> He forgets how long we've been together. wonderful our relationship is. I will say that because like most people, when they've been married, they're like, it feels like 30 years and it's been six months. With Sean, it's like, it's been almost 19 years. It'll be 17 years of marriage in a couple of weeks. And Sean's like, it feels like we've been together. Like I've, I was just single. I I was. Anytime we're watching something where there's somebody struggling. Like high fidelity. Yeah. Where somebody's struggling with being single. I, I still identify with that. There's still a part of my... <laughs> Which makes no sense to me. <laughs> like, it makes no sense to me. It's like, we've been together for almost 20 years. Yeah. Calm the fuck down. I'm calm. I think I'm pretty calm. But yeah, there's still... When when you're 24 years old, 23, 24 years old, and you've never had a serious relationship, I mean, that's a big... And again, that's your formative years. But here's the other part, So though. that stays in you your don't head. Have, it only takes one... Yeah, only takes one serious relationship to be the serious relationship. Like a lot of those years were were traumatizing because of of attempts or the people that I dealt with. Right, but you—that's what—that's what stays with you, you. The company you were keeping was garbage. That doesn't matter with my feelings now. What what I'm saying is that just that just stays with you. I, yeah. I'll be 60 years old and I'll I'll, I'll be sitting there and you'll be and like, I'll well, be like, I, I just, know what it's like. You'll I know be what like, it's like out there. You'll be like, I just met my wife Maggie. <laughs> it's tough. We got married in 2002. <laughs> it's um, tough being like, single out there. You'll be like, I do. I there's a part of me that just there's always a part of it. I I know how lucky and fortunate I am. That's part of it too. Maybe maybe it keeps me feeling that way, and that's why I'm. I do it is. Feel, it's good to live in a state of gratitude. It is. It's very. Yeah. It's very good, and because it's very it was important. Rough and I. That. And I. Speaking I of urge high fidelity, that. it's just that there's that one line, where he says, "People of a certain only only people of a certain what is it? A certain attitude, a, a certain, certain disposition, disposition. Yes, yeah. only people of a certain disposition believe they're going to be alone forever at age twenty four, and we were of that disposition. Yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was me. Like you just come to accept it." That's and you. I've still I've come to accept it. I'm going to be alone forever. <laughs> like it's still it's still in there, it's still wedged in there somewhere. I'm going to be alone forever. <laughs> That's why I'm always like <laughs> super says, excited to see you every day because it's like, oh, you're still here. <laughs> That's great. He says surrounded by his wife, two dogs, two children. It does. It keeps me grateful. I don't know. <laughs> he's like, he's like going to be alone forever. He's like, you're don't. never going to make it. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. Dewey Cox. <laughs> Dewey Cox's wife is like, you're but never going to make I it. I do. I always appreciate it. That that apparently was a traumatic time for me. Yeah. And I, so now I, I really appreciate what I have. That's why I don't come. I don't complain about my wife ever. I mean, anybody can vouch for that. Like, Well, uh, I'm fucking amazing. You shouldn't complain. Yeah. Most of the time. <laughs> but uh fair fair i'll take it 
Anyway, <laughs> It Chapter 2. Yeah. So we saw It Chapter 2 right before you left for New York. Oh, my God. That was such a good movie. <laughs> so <laughs> I, have to t- I have to tell you guys this. <laughs> I don't even know what you're... What, what the hell happened? It was so funny. Because you ever, you ever fucking you ever do that where you have something in your head and you're like, can't even get it out because it's so funny? Yeah. Anyway, so we go to see It Chapter 2 and it's like, it's really good, but it's three hours. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a movie. So... We go to see a chapter two. We come home and I had pre-packed everything like for my, oh, my trip. I and I set my alarm and I we go to bed and I have to get up at like five for my flight. And I, I had done everything. All the our podcast, other podcasts I do. Everything is scheduled because I'm on my our podcasts for all, everything I do. They all go up while I'm out. So I do. I had everything is done, but I have to get up at five. We have to leave here by six thirty. That's nice. So I have I get up at five to I have to get up at five to shower and like do all the last minute stuff. So I'm like, this will be fine. This will be perfect. I've packed everything except for like the things that I have to use that morning. Uh, I go to sleep, but I'm real fucking tired because I had gone. I like after the movie, I dropped everybody off. But then Mason was hungry. And I forgot to get cash, so I had to go back out and get go to the bank and like stuff like that. So like I ended up being out doing running until 11 o'clock at night. So I get back home, go to bed. I wake up and I'm like, like I kept waking up and I was like, no, no, my alarm hasn't gone off. Excited. Yeah. Nervous. Wake up. Yeah. Two hours. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, my alarm hasn't gone on, gone off. Like I can still sleep. And then I wake up and we have blackout shades and I'm like, I think I see light. I shouldn't see light. And I look at my phone and it is 630 in the morning. I had set my alarm for weekdays only. And it is Saturday. Dun, dun, dun. And I'm like, fuck, I'm supposed to be leaving for the airport. We had to jump up. <laughs> we're like, we're like, we overslept. So like, or we slept in or whatever the fuck. Like, uh, so yeah, I felt, I, I felt like the parents from home alone. We slept in. And then I just kept hearing that music over and over. Yeah. So we jump up, I finish packing, and we literally like bolt out. I got there exactly on time, not she was showered. Fine. She yeah. was not showered, no makeup on. I brushed my teeth and we left. It was ridiculous. Let me tell you something about Maggie. Maggie never smells though. Like even when you're unshowered, your version of unshowered. <laughs> well, I had showered on I mean it was Saturday. I had showered on Friday. Yeah. So it's not like That's I was I mean. filthy. Yeah. Like, I just had wanted to shower and do my hair and stuff. Yeah, but it's not like she was on a plane and just rank like one of those people because that's not no, that's not how she is. Yeah, it was like I so and then like I showered Sunday. Like we, I went to an event. I was going to shower that night, and it was all right. But it, that doesn't matter. So it's so, chapter yeah. two. We go see oh, yeah. it. I find out it's about three hours long when we're at the theater, which was surprising. I, I had known I hadn't, that. I hadn't done any kind of a, a lot of times before I go see a movie. As a fan, I was aware. Yeah, as a fan. And she gets upset. What? What? Why is it so offensive that I'm not a fan? That's what no, I don't understand. Fine. It's fine. I don't. That's what I don't get. No, it's fine. <laughs> but, but why is it fine? As it's you say, fine. It, I think it is fine. It is fine that you have things that you're a fan of that I'm just to me is a more casual relationship. And it is one of them. Uh-huh. So anyway, so we go and see it and. I did enjoy the movie. Bill Hader is fantastic. It's the same creative team behind the first one. So if you like the first one, you're probably gonna like the second one. But I think it suffers from the same thing that the miniseries suffered from. And from what I understand, the book suffers from is that the second half just isn't as good as the first half. 
Is that true? Maggie, is that accurate? Are you not listening? Oh. <laughs> it's like talking to Steve now. Um, it's the fact that you're trying to assess something that you were not a fan of, so I do not respect your opinion. Oh, okay. So I'm not allowed to have an opinion because I'm not passionate about it. I get that. Yeah, I don't care. But I'm just judging it as uh well, I I guess like more as a casual fan. Yeah. Definitely as a casual fan. All right. Well, and I don't care. it was it was too long. It was definitely too long. It was too long. It was about forty to fifty minutes too it long. It was too long. And I feel like so anyone who's seen any of the it anythings, this isn't a spoiler because the book has been out since the eighties. Um the Henry Bauer thread, if you're not gonna follow it through, don't follow it at all. You mean the the directors or writers or whoever? Yeah, right? and the movie. Yeah, and that's how I felt. That was something that could have been excised. It it was it was there for no reason in the movies. Yeah, because it, it wasn't followed appropriately, and like, and I'm not saying like as a fan, I'm not saying you have to be loyal to how it goes. Right. Like, uh, it was unnecessary for it, everything it else just, that was going on. It wasn't, but it like if you're not going to follow it, it didn't have a true like culmination. And it didn't. It was very anticlimactic. No, yeah, it didn't have a purpose. The other thing for me was the the separating to gather totems. I feel like that could have been a lot shorter. You did get some good scares, some good fun scares during that segment. I I hate to lose scares because that's kind of the whole point of the movie, and they are there are some good fun scares there. However, that's definitely something that made the movie drag. That could have been cut. However, the the actors are great. The writing is solid that you believe these relationships and how everybody interacts and stuff, which is great. And I like I do like how they pulled stuff from different sections of the book to put them in different like it chapter two parts from it. Chapter two are actually from like the first 50 pages of the book. Yeah. Like I like that. That's because well, the book is the book like the miniseries where it flashes back and forth? Yes. Okay. So, they, but they didn't do that with the movies, which I like. I like yeah. that they just kind of stayed focused they, on one time period. And I like that too. Um, like as an it fan, I appreciate that. Yeah. Like I think that was good, but it was funny because like in the movie theater, I was like, ooh, like as we would like enter into scenes, I was like, ooh. So I was like, yeah. I don't know what's happening. Right. It was it was funny. It was a role reversal because I would see you know anytime we go see a Marvel movie or something that. Uh, was uh, based on a, a comic book storyline I was familiar with, I would get giddy or fidgety knowing something something was about to come up, not knowing what ex exact direction they were going to take it. Uh, but but the, knowing the idea of what right, was coming. No, yeah, exactly. And so that was kind of fun when she, because she would, she would literally like make a sound or move in her seat and I would know it, it, it would tell me something was about to happen. And it, it yeah, was, like, like it was cool when they go out to cue. eat at the Chinese restaurant. Yeah. Like that whole thing. Listen, I forgot all that from the, the miniseries. I only watched it, I think, uh. one time, the whole thing one time with you. Yeah. And the second half, I used to not watch that much. Right. And the miniseries. So it, on DVD, you had to like. I will say this, DVD. though. It's still way better than the second half of the miniseries, regardless of the fact that it's over long. Now, you might be sitting there going, Sean, you've watched Endgame and, you know, that's a three hour movie. That movie really moves. There's something about the energy of that movie where you don't feel the need to check your watch and this was not that kind of movie a lot of, i would check my watch okay, this movie and i was like the there's an hour left in this motherfucker i still don't care about your opinion on this movie um <laughs> so you don't think it was over long you just said you did but now you do. I, I do but i really don't care about your opinion on the movie 
um, because I was telling listener, not a, yeah. I don't I'm, care. I'm somewhat of a horror cinema buff, so I think my my expertise there comes uh, into play, even I though I'm not an it fanboy. Go to hell. Like so, you. here's the thing. Here's what I here's here's my critique or my biggest issue with it. Yeah. Beverly is a real simpering, whiny, weak. I didn't think she was that bad. She really is. She's compared to how she was as a kid, she regressed for sure. I didn't find her whiny, though. She's very definitely. She went. I don't know. I didn't I didn't think she was a weak character. I didn't find her to be very. But she did take a step backwards from the kind of tough kid she was, though. Yeah, she was like cool and like. Awesome as a kid. Right. And then she was lame as an adult. So yeah. I didn't like that. But she was also kind of lame as an adult in general. Well, see, my whole thing was uh, the fat kid, Ben. You know, he grows up and he's like super handsome now, right? Like that's the that's the thing. Yeah. That's that's literally his character, though, is handsome guy used to be fat. Like there's no depth to his character, really, who pines for Beverly. That's that's it. That's his whole character. Everybody else has like real personality traits. So I would say he was the weakest uh, character just because there wasn't any real meat to who he was other than pining for Beverly. And he used to be fat. Yeah, that's that's really all as far as it went. It was a good casting, though, on his eyeballs. Dude, he looked just like that kid in the face. Yeah. Him and, and whoever played adult Eddie. Yeah, right. Adult Eddie looked just like like that. That kid is going to look just like that when he grows up. I'm pretty sure. Right. Well, but like, I'd still recommend the movie. I'm, I'm not shitting on the movie, but I, I do think it was over long. But I, you don't mind spending time with those characters, though, which helps uh, because, again, they're, really they're well funny. played. They're, they're well written. And yes, a lot of comedy. Unexpectedly. It was really funny. It was. It was really, really funny. And and, and well done. It wasn't. Uh, I don't know. There's just, you know, for me, there's like two different kinds of comedy. There's funny comedy and not funny comedy. And so a lot of things like Aquaman rely on not funny comedy, which. I know that doesn't make sense. Yeah, they, they did. They went for some scenes where I didn't see Aquaman. So I'm not like you. I don't watch Aquaman. I was forced to watch it by my so-called friends. Your your self-centered friends who don't even listen to you. <laughs> You're so why are you so mean to Steve, man? I'm just back mean. off of Steve. I'm just mean in general. Just back off Steve. Oh, that's his whole Yang Gang thing. <laughs> what the fuck? I'm just glad he's passionate about somebody politically for once. Did he even vote in the last election? No, that's what I mean. I'm just uh, I'm glad. Oh, the dog sneezed on me. <laughs> I'm just glad he, he's 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 got a, a foot in the game now. A, a foot in the game. I don't know what that's not a that's not a saying. He's got skin in the game. That's what. It is. Yeah, that's not a saying. I confuse my idioms all. I'm old, man. What do you want from me? I'm old. This is what happens to your brain. Is it when you work a job that doesn't stimulate your brain in any capacity? Your brain just atrophies. <laughs> you get it. You get a foot in the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what happened. I'm slowly turning into Steve's dad. <laughs> Going to Remco and PB. I'm getting a foot in the game. Yeah. All right, cool. So you want to go first this week? I go first this week. Who go first this week? Not, You're no, reading no. my notes from over there. I see. I don't have that good of vision at all. You want me to go first? I go first. You can go first. What do you got? So 30 miles outside of New York City, nestled in the Long Island town of Amityville, stands the house forever linked to the Amityville horror phenomenon. 
November 13th, 1974, the estate was the scene of a mass murder. Using a 35 Marlin rifle, a 23-year-old man named Ronald Defoe, Defoe, Defeo. Defeo? Is that right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was like, why don't I know how to read? <laughs> Defeo Jr. murdered his entire family while they were asleep. So dead were parents Louise and Ronald Sr. His siblings, 18-year-old Dawn, 13-year-old Allison, 12-year-old Mark, and 9-year-old John Matthew. So that was all real from the Amityville Horror then? Yeah. I've only ever seen the movie. Yeah, this is all real. So the gruesome murders were regarded as the catalyst for the spirits that were said to haunt 112 Ocean Avenue, which is now 108 Ocean Avenue. They didn't current owners change the address. (laughs) However, some argue that DeFeo, uh, the DeFeo family were actually victims of the house. They brought in those two, uh, those two scammers, right? That they made movies I don't, out of? I, I'm actually not going into that. I'm I'm actually talking more about the murder. Oh, okay. But just, well, then, yeah. sidebar. Yeah, the Lorraine, ones, Lorraine, so-and-so. the people from um, the, Conjuring, the Conjuring movies. They brought yeah. in those two hucksters. Yeah. So what we do know is that the Feo Jr. suffered from affluenza. Oh, really? Well, I mean, I added that part. But yeah. yeah. So his family had money, and but they were like super unhappy overall. His father was domineering and abusive, and his mother just kind of faded into the background and let his father do whatever. Yeah. So DeFeo Jr., he grew up and became increasingly troubled in young adulthood. He began to rely on drugs and alcohol. He lashed out physically and threatened his father with a gun. His parents hoped that a weekly stipend and gifts would appease their troubled son. That's what I'm talking about with affluenza. By age 18, he technically held a job at the family-owned auto dealership, but he rarely bothered to show up. Nice. (sighs) So on the day that he murdered everyone, (laughs) uh, 1974, he he actually left work at noon out of boredom. Must be nice. Yeah, he was just (laughs) like, no, we're done here. According to the book American Mass Murderers by Valerie Plaza, DeFeo re-entered, or I'm sorry, I meant to say that he then went to the bar where he hung out until God knows when. So then he re-enters the bar at 6.30 a.m. yelling, you've got to help me. I think my mother and father have been shot. The bar was open at 6.30 a.m.? You know how Long Island is. I don't know how Long Island is. I don't either. That's why. That's funny. (laughs) All six bodies were found in their beds, positioned on their stomachs. The victims appeared to be shot with a high-powered rifle at 3.15 a.m. However, things didn't quite add up. There were no signs of struggle on any of the bodies or evidence that they were drugged. No neighbors who were awake at the time reported hearing any gunshots, only DeFeo's family dog. Upon police investigation, DeFeo's alibi of being at work and then at the bar began to crumble. So police noted that the family had been dead before 6 a.m., so DeFeo frantically changed the story. And then he changed the story multiple other times. At one point, he claimed a mob hitman killed his family Mm. and made DeFeo watch. (laughs) Jesus. 
But the hitman had a solid out-of-state alibi, and soon DeFeo confessed. Wait, 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 wait. They tracked down a hitman? Yeah, his name was Louis Fellini. Like, there actually was a hitman they found? Well, yeah. I'm so, that's a way interesting story to me. Yeah. Did he conjure him? Did he know a hitman? Yeah, he, set knew, him up? He, knew a, he knew a mob hitman and was like, because it's Long Island again. That seems dangerous to set up a hitman. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> that seems like a bad idea. Yeah, it's also dangerous to kill yeah, your whole, he, it's also dangerous to kill your whole fucking family. So, I mean. <laughs> that's just a bad idea. That, there comes a point where it's like, well, you've crossed a line. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, you might as well right. fucking finger like, the yeah. mob, yeah. you know? Who cares? So, anyway, <clears throat> Fellini's the, the guy he he said he tried to frame, and Fellini was like, yeah, I wasn't even in New York. I was killing somebody somewhere else. Right. I was much. out of state on a hit. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> no. Nice try, Kappa. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, DeFeo eventually confessed that he had murdered his family. So DeFeo said he heard voices in the home telling him to murder his parents, brother and sister. He was given six life sentences. And today he is still serving his time in a New York prison. After. He's still alive? Yeah. Wow. It was 1974, dude. I just. You were born in 76. I know, but that seems so long ago. He died. Like there's been multiple movies. He was only 23. So weird. So he's like 65. He's 65. Sixty maths. After the murders, the house was vacant for over a year. The Lutz family purchased the five bedroom, three and a half bathroom house for a drastically re- reduced price of eighty thousand dollars due to the murders. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> but only lasted twenty eight days before leaving. Lutz family claimed to see slime oh, coming out of the windows. The Lutz family. That's that's the name of the family they used in the movie. Yeah, that's the people who claimed the. Okay. That's the, this is the people. So this is how they got out of there, probably paying for the house, I'm guessing. Is they yeah. just made up all this crazy shit. So they they're brought like, in the scamming people. Wait, I'll, this, this is, yeah. <clears throat> so the Lutz family, they buy this five bedroom, three and a half bedroom for $80,000. They claim they see slime, slime yeah. coming out of the wall. Right. So I've not seen the movies. I've been a, I haven't seen, I've only seen the original one and it was in the eighties and I don't really remember much about it other than like the alarm clock flashing three fifteen. Bad things well, would always happen at like three fifteen. Yeah. Well yeah, it's the time. and then I think a priest gets attacked by bees. I might be confusing my movies too here, but I think that's what happened. And then eventually the I think the Lutz guy kills his whole family or something too. I, well, I, don't, I don't remember all that, but I might make I've made that so, up. So Lutz claims to see um Slime coming out of walls. Slime. Yeah. Right. You know how pissed I'd be? <laughs> so, slime coming out of walls, um, knives being thrown off the kitchen counter. Right. And a red-eyed creature resembling a pig. <laughs> None of this ever happens now the cell phones are around. <laughs> right. So, they claim to see figures wandering inside the home when it was empty. George Lutz, who's the dad, right. says that his wife was levitating above her bed and he was woken Neat. up every morning at 315 at the exact time that DeFeo killed his entire family. It's weird to me that people kill their family at exactly like on the quarter hour marks. <laughs> Is that what happens? <laughs> Is that common? Like, like 315, like you, you can kill his family at 317. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, 
Uh, Lutz, the Lutz family eventually brought a priest in to bless the home, but he left after hearing a voice tell him to get out. You know how it is. He got attacked by bees. I don't. Movie, I think. That's not. I saw what I heard. That's. I heard he was told to get out. Get out. He's like, all right, I got to go. <laughs> I am about to head out. <laughs> all right. All right, I'm going to head out. So everyone in the Amityville community began hearing of the lots of spooky stories, and they were questioning the legitimacy, you know, of levitation right. and pigs and such. And um, the family was apparently in a lot of debt, ah. which led to rumors that they were simply trying to get movies in a book deal. Smart. So Lutz then had a public falling out with their lawyer due to non-payment issues. Yeah. So the lawyer made a statement to say that they had come up with a whole idea over a few bottles of wine. Bottles of wine. Yeah. So to Not try surprising. to prove their story was true, George and Kathy Lutz took a lie detector test. They passed. But everybody passes. As we learned, George Costanza says <laughs> it's not a lie if you believe it. Right. So lie detector tests are useless. Daniel I don't even think Lutz. They're in court. Daniel Lutz is one of their kids. Yeah. He's still living in Queen, and he says he still has nightmares about those twenty-eight days. I bet. So that's uh, that's about what his I know. parents arguing over finances. Right. Yeah. He is fucking. He's a fucking mess because his parents couldn't. I need to rewatch that movie. The original one. It's one of those movies I, I saw at a friend's house as a, as a kid, and it scared the shit out of me at the time, you know? Because yeah. you believe everything, because it tells you it was based on a true story, and you're like, well, shit, this really happened. This is, you know, and, and when you grow up religious, you do believe everything because right. they ingrain in you that spirits are real and stuff. Which, well, and you really believe everything when you when you grow up religious. That's what I mean. Because they're like, like... You're like, yeah, supernatural is real. Right. Right. God, my mom told me, and we You're go to like, church, and God God's, said so. God's like in this room, <laughs> yeah, like right now. There's demons room in here. for the Holy Ghost and, and all dancing, right? So you really—that's one benefit of religion, I would say—is it makes horror movies a lot scarier when you're a kid. Yeah, our kids don't have that experience because they don't. Yeah, they think Texas Chainsaw Massacre is Sunday morning programming. <laughs> Logan, Logan, Greg, we up though when he when he said well when he said that to me this morning, Logan, so. Uh, for those of you who don't follow me on Facebook, which is probably a lot of you. Which is uh, probably almost all of you. Yeah. I, I made a post on Facebook because this morning I was watching the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And uh, <sighs> Logan was out here watching. He, he didn't watch the whole thing with me, but he was watching part of it. And he, and he said to me, this is a movie about teenagers breaking into someone's home. And that person defending their home vigorously or something along those lines. Yeah. And uh, or defending their possessions and uh i thought that was pretty funny but then it occurred to me i was like i feel like he's said that before i was like if you watch this before he's like yeah you you tend to put this on on sunday mornings <laughs> and i was like it's been a while since i've watched it yeah. it's been at least a year since i've watched that but apparently his memory i and maybe that's something i do sunday morning viewing texas chainsaw sunday. massacre <laughs> that is, sunday uh, mornings it's the Lord's day for around. some people for me it's leatherface's day <sighs> all hail leatherface and That's you might, what we do. Maggie might think I'm going to talk about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but I'm going to throw her a curveball. We're going to talk about everybody's favorite Dathomirian Zabrak, Darth Maul. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to do Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> you look so <laughs> confused. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Were you confused because you were like, "That's not my favorite Dathomirian Zabrak"? That's yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was like. 
I was like, I, I have so many other ones. <laughs> I would love to do a piece about Darth Maul. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to do an interview with, like, a, a mock interview with Darth Maul. Like, that, that, that'd be fun for some people. Uh, yeah. Like Matt and Steve. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be super fun. <laughs> Let's do it. Do interviews with, with made-up characters, and I write all the responses and whatnot. It's like the, um, the guy who, or woman, I shouldn't assume I know who it is. But who does the scripts based on pretending to make the bot watch? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a guy. Yeah. It's a dude. Yeah. All right. Uh, so Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a 1974 American slasher film. It was directed. What a year. 74, yeah. That's the year that, that DeFeo. Yeah. Fucking murdered everybody. Uh, it was directed by Toby Hooper. <laughs> I like that. So the movie comes on this morning and it's like before anything. And I'm like, oh, are you watching Texas Chainsaw? And he's like, how do you know that? And I was like, I feel like I don't watch it as often as I do, apparently, because all it was was the the words on the screen. I saw Toby Hooper. And you know who Toby Hooper is now, which is weird because you didn't know that before me. Right. I'm guessing just throwing before it out me. There. I don't know. That was a, that was like 20 years ago. So I don't <laughs> Six remember. Six months ago. What are you talking you, about? You really, you really I don't, don't know. That, again. Most people don't pay attention to my nonsense. All right. I, I talk. I'm, I fanboy if out about anybody, a lot of things. If I don't anybody, expect people to remember what I say because it's not important what I'm saying. Typically, I like it sounds important to me when I'm saying it. And I feel passionate about it. But deep down, I know that nothing that I'm saying is of any actual import. So I'm always shocked when anybody remembers anything that I've said. OK, but here's who's supposed to remember me. <laughs> even even my my fanboy nonsense. But like, that's my job. That's why it's so infuriating <laughs> to me when you don't remember anything I've said, because I'm remembering your stupid shit. Least you could you do said. is remember my stupid shit. I do like you like Harry Potter a lot and like Dobby the house elf. I only know that because of you and you were upset about uh, Dumbledore. See, I remember this stuff. Oh, that's good. And Alan well, Rickman was any more, any more references? Out to be a good guy. Any more references from 2006 you'd like to bring up? <laughs> Anything? That's back when you used to Anything fangirl Anything in the last stuff, 13 though. years that you you'd like to remember? Uh, you don't like Viggo Mortensen with a beard. Uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I see? don't like him with a beard. It's yeah. weird because I normally prefer beards, but not with Viggo Mortensen. He's got a strong jaw. You yeah. don't want to cover that up. It's something with that. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't like Return of the King because of that. I, yeah. See, I remember things. God damn it. Yeah. When's the last time you wanted to watch anything, Return of the King? Anything since like pre-2006. He remembers. That's good. <laughs> okay. It's before my memory went to shit. It's just the last 13 years you can't remember. Okay. I, I know all the things you like. You like you like colors now? Real big on colors. <laughs> See? See? I, I know I'm right. That's why you're laughing. You're real big on colors now. That's where your passion lies. What do you what? That's you. <laughs> you went to a goddamn color museum. Like you like colors a lot, like more than most people. I did. I went to the color factory in in New York City. Yeah. So it's yeah. in Soho. I highly recommend it if you or if you're visiting New York City. I pay attention. God damn it. You're Just like, don't remember you're big on colors. Well. <laughs> you do. You love colors. You're not passionate about you don't like Thanos. Um <laughs> what else have I got? <laughs> I don't know. I'm running I'm running low here. All right, let's get back to the topic at hand. <laughs> All right, Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out in 1974. It was directed by Toby Hooper and written and co-produced co-produced by Toby Hooper and Kim Henkel. Uh this film followed the I'm, I'm gonna Tell everybody about in case you haven't seen the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. 
the film follows a group of friends who fall victim to a family of cannibals while on their way to visit an old homestead. The film was marketed as being based on true events to attract a wider audience and to act as a subtle commentary on the era's political climate. Uh, so in the 80s, when I saw this movie, and it tells you at the beginning that it's based on true events, <laughs> you believe it. You just, you do. It's not the same as like, like when Blair Witch came out. Even when Blair Witch came out, there were still people that thought it was a true, true found footage. And I wanted to be one of those people, but because I was big in, into horror and, you know, I I knew all about it before it came out and went, saw it opening weekend and everything. And then there were people who really who still and it blew my mind because at the time it didn't occur to me that not everybody follows horror movies as closely as you do, Sean. You know, this isn't the same. Everybody doesn't have the same passions as, you, as I do. So but there were people like, oh, yeah, I they found it and I know so it became like a yeah <laughs> yeah it was like Jesus Christ I know somebody and they they saw this and then like no it was all it's all made up but that's that'd be a cool way to see a movie though because as a kid I thought Texas Chainsaw was a real like 100% real and it was based on the like Ed Gein in, in his skin mask yeah I mean um, you, it was inspired by right it was inspired by some real things but it wasn't a 100% true story but as a, as a kid and you, you would share stories and talk about it and embellish it and everything and yeah so it, it was very very scary what's so funny you like colors <laughs> you do you like colors that's your thing <laughs> you like colors maggie that's your why is it funny because you just realize that no. about yourself <laughs> no i know i like colors but it's like <laughs> that's what you're passionate about now. what do you like oh colors what do you like <laughs> my favorite color is pink i i know that my six <laughs> Like, good God. But you're not refuting it at the same time. You don't have. <laughs> you're just like, yeah, I guess that's who I am now. No. <laughs> I like that's colors. That's not who I am now. <laughs> when I talk about you, I'm not like, this is my husband. He likes chili cheese burritos. I do like, like chili cheese burritos. I, would, <laughs> <laughs> like, I love chili cheese burritos. <laughs> and some people are being deprived don't of Don't make them. me laugh when I'm sick because <laughs> i i get that, that witch weird, cackle yeah i get that weird like chest cough that makes it sound like i smoke six packs a day yeah which if you're like in new york it's 15 dollars a pack of cigarettes i mean i don't smoke but <laughs> you, you notice that it's very expensive very expensive there all right uh where was i all right so the film was initially going to be called head cheese that's something i just I heard them i heard him say head cheese when he was that the hitchhiker is yeah, like, like nubbins the hitchhiker he yeah he's excuse me he's explained because he used to work in a slaughterhouse he was explaining how they make head cheese yeah and that was one of the original titles till uh, one of the producers suggested the texas chainsaw massacre and that's how it got its title so toby hooper produced the film for less than one hundred and forty thousand dollars, which yeah, would be about seven hundred thousand dollars in 2018 uh and he used a cast of relatively unknown local actors in texas drawn mainly from uh central texas where they shot the film the limited budget forced hooper to film for long hours seven days a week usually about 16 hours a day so that he could finish as quickly as possible and reduce equipment rental costs yeah that makes sense no oh. Uh, the film was banned in several countries. Numerous theaters stopped showing the film in response to complaints about its violence. Uh, so this movie didn't have a lot of actual violence. Uh, it, if you've seen the movie, it's mostly implied. But the intensity of the movie 
Well, it's you. It's almost like you remember seeing things, but it's like your mind fills in the blank. Yeah, your mind's There's filling n- it in. And not only that, it's very unsettling. The angles he shoots at. Yeah. And the. That was the other thing too. Uh, it all and I was talking to Mark about this. It's like it's almost like a snuff film. It, it, again, it, it's it's the low budget quality of the film, and that that real grainy image. And Toby Hooper had worked on documentaries before that, so I feel like hit that That's kind of wild. played into it, you know. So yeah. again, when you see it for the first time, and your your first time is in the eighties, you feel like you're watching something real. It's very creepy, yeah. Especially like when they let the um, hitchhiker out, and you're just watching from behind the grass, yeah. And there's no sound, and he's just fucking freaking out outside. Right. That's unnerving, yeah. And there's because a lot it's of that. watching a crazy person be crazy from afar, right? And that's upsetting, yeah. And like that's a, it's a lot of that just unsettling feeling. Yes. In the horror, which is more horrifying than violent in a lot of places. Right. Right. I agree. And that's what makes it good. All right. Uh, banned in several countries. Uh, it initially drew a mixed reception from critics. It was highly profitable, grossing over 30 million at the domestic box office. That was over years. They re- release it every year for like the next eight years or something at the same time. So it took a while to get there. Um so that would be equivalent to about $151 million as of 2018. Uh, it sold 16.5 million tickets in 1974, which seems like a lot in 1974 for a horror movie. Especially since they didn't have as many theaters. Uh, it has since gained a reputation as one of the best and most influential horror films. It's credited with originating several elements common in the slasher genre, including the use of power tools as murder weapons and the characterization of the killer as a large, hulking, faceless figure. So the concept for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre arose in the early 70s while Toby Hooper was working as an assistant film director at the University of Texas in Austin and as a documentary cameraman. He had already developed a story involving the elements of isolation, the woods, and darkness. He credited the graphic coverage of violence by San Antonio news outlets as one inspiration for the film, and he did base elements of the plot on murderer Ed Gein, who famously... uh, committed his crimes in 1950s Wisconsin. So uh, producer, co-writer Kim Hankel said, quote, I definitely studied Gein, but I also noticed a murder case in Houston at the time, a serial murderer you probably remember named Elmer Wayne Henley. Yeah. Is that, did you cover him? No, but I can. But you would know. Yeah, I know who he is. So he said he was a young man who recruited victims for an older homosexual man. Yep. Oh, that's where you know him from. But anyway, go on. Uh, I saw some news report where Elmer Wayne said, I did these crimes and I'm going to stand up and take it like a man. Well, that struck me as interesting that he had this conventional morality at that point. He wanted it known that now that he was caught, he would do the right thing. So this kind of moral schizophrenia is something I tried to build into the characters in the movie. All right. Uh, Toby Hooper has cited changes in the cultural and political landscape as central influences on the film. His intentional misinformation that the film you're about to see is true was a response to, quote, being lied to by the government about things that were going on all over the world, including Watergate, the 1973 oil crisis and the massacres and atrocities in the Vietnam War. 
the lack of sentimentality and the brutality of things that Hooper noticed while watching the local news, whose graphic coverage was epitomized by, quote, showing brains spilled all over the road, end quote. I don't know if that's something they actually did back then. But, you know, if it bleeds, it leads is a very common thing that they yeah. say about the news. <clears throat> Uh, but it led to his belief that, quote, man was the real monster here, just wearing a different face. So I put a literal mask on the monster in my film. Uh, the idea of using a chainsaw as the murder weapon came to Hooper while he was in the hardware section of a busy store. Said Hooper, there were there were these big Christmas crowds. I was frustrated and I found myself near a display rack of chainsaws. I just kind of zoned in on it. Uh I thought, I know a way I could get through this crowd really quickly. (laughs) (laughs) That's not relatable. (laughs) I went home, sat down, all the channels just tuned in, the zeitgeist blew through, and the whole damn story came to me in what seemed like about 30 seconds. The hitchhiker, the older brother at the gas station, the girl escaping twice, the dinner sequence, people out in the country out of gas. Uh, He continued, before I came up with the chainsaw, the story had trolls under a bridge. Oh, We changed that to the character who eventually became Leatherface. The idea actually came from a doctor I knew. I remembered that he'd once told me this story about how, when he was a pre-med student, the class was studying cadavers, and he went into the morgue and skinned a cadaver and made a mask for Halloween. We decided Leatherface would have a different human skin mask to fit each of his moods. So that's a little... (laughs) You look concerned about this behavior. I'm more concerned about that doctor... I feel like that's a made up story on his part, though. You know what I mean? I mean, he might have been telling the truth, but it might have been just one of those stories you tell people to freak him out. But he, I mean, I don't know the guy. He could have actually done that. That seems well, really we should gross. probably look into that guy. Yeah. So uh, like I just said, he had different masks to fit each of his moods. So in the movie, he has three different masks. You meet him in probably what's most commonly associated with Leatherface, his uh, I guess his casual mask. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's his everyday mask. Right. And then later on, you see him and he has like a wig and a mask. He has like an old lady mask and like old lady hair. And but he because he's in the kitchen cooking dinner. Right. So that fits what he's doing there. And then when he sits down to dinner, domestic mask. Yeah. And when he sits down to dinner, he then is uh, he has like again, it's like a lady mask, but it's like has makeup and everything because she's sitting down to dinner. Right. He's fancy. Right. It's his fancy mask. And they're all creepy as fuck. (laughs) Like they're all. Hey, hey, man. All right, so Leatherface was famously p- played by uh, Gunnar Hansen, who passed away in 2015. Uh, and it's hard, like, I think everybody, even though he only played him in that movie and there's been a bunch of sequels and everything, everybody, like, Gunnar Hansen is synonymous with Leatherface. Uh, but he was not a, the first person cast in the role. When he, when he first heard that the film was being made uh, as a graduate student in Austin, he was told he'd be great for the role, but unfortunately it had already been cast. But then the original Leatherface quit. Hansen said, two weeks later, the same guy calls and says, the guy who was hired as the killer is holed up drunk in a motel and won't come out. There's a lot, <laughs> of, there's a lot of bad karma surrounding this movie, and I'm quitting. So apparently, so that guy quit and the actor quit. Uh, Wait, so then what? What guy quit? The guy who called him. The oh. guy who told him he'd be perfect for casting. Yeah. So then Gunnar Hansen called art director Bob Burns and told him he was interested. Gunnar Hansen was six foot four, weighed 300 pounds. So he he got the role as soon as Hooper met him. He was like, you're in. <laughs> Perfect. Right. You're just big. Right. That, that's, but that's it. You, you got that's it. We're going to put a mask on you anyway. You might have a beautiful face. Doesn't matter. You just have to be able to walk. Right. And carry people. And hold a chainsaw. Um, I guess. So Hansen had to come up with ways to express himself through the leather, leather face mask. 
Uh, Hooper wanted the character to squeal like a pig, which he does make some pig squeals. Yeah, it's really upsetting. So Gunnar Hansen went out into the country and stuttered, studied a friend's pigs. Then to capture the mental instability of the character, he went to an Austin mental hospital and studied the movements of the patients there, which he then incorporated into his performance, which he did really well. Yes. All right. So this this took place during Texas summer with temperatures in excess of 100 degrees. Yeah. 100 degrees. I don't know how we did Fahrenheit. Uh, There was a single bathroom shared by more than three dozen people. The costumes could not be changed because the actors only had one set of clothes. And they weren't washed a lot of times for continuity's sake. So he died in 2015. 2015 in Maine. Sure. Oh, he's Icelandic. Yes. Um. Uh. And uh, there was the constant presence of bones and rotting meat on set that were used as props. Almost no one went uninjured in the cast. And the heat and the stench of the rotting meat got so punishing at one point that the actors would run to the windows of the house uh, where the dinner, the ending, the climax dinner scene was shot to throw up and breathe a little fresh air between takes. Oh, yeah, you know. Yeah. In addition to the excessive heat and odor, because the people stink. I can't. Everybody stinks. There's rotting meat. He's vomiting. And then the house is about 115 degrees because it was unair conditioned. Yeah. So in addition to the heat and odor, the the dinner scene was given another challenge. It had to be completed in a single day because the actor John Dugan, who played Grandpa, which was like he was like 18 at the time, but they put him in that makeup. Yeah. He refused to endure the 10 hour process of getting the makeup applied a second time. He announced that he was not sitting through it again. Toby Hooper said so. The cast and crew worked for 27 hours straight to finish the dinner scene, which is not even, I mean, 10 minutes of the movie, maybe. Oh, that's so a lot of that scream. There's a lot of screaming in that scene. It's very unsettling and unnerving. Uh, Marilyn Burns character, Sally, is like screaming like almost the whole fucking time. And then there's the other characters are screaming at her and at each other. And I'm guessing that was that was not a lot of acting at that point. You're right. They're just screaming. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're just, just everybody's upset with everyone. No one wants to be there at that point. Yeah. It's hot. It stinks. Um, so in that scene, Sally's finger is cut so that uh, her blood can be fed to grandpa. And it was supposed to be a, a very simple special effect. The knife blade used in the scene was dulled by a piece of tape. There's just a piece of tape over it. Uh, which also held a rubber tube attached to a bulb full of fake blood that was concealed in Gunnar Hansen's palm. As he dragged the knife across her finger, Hansen was supposed to squeeze the bulb and pump the blood out to simulate the cut, but the tube kept clogging in take after take. Frustrated and exhausted, Hansen ultimately stripped the tape off the knife when no one one was looking and cut her for real. Yeah, (laughs) he just cut her finger, and the dude sucked actual blood out of her finger and didn't know it. Yeah. He said, at this point, I was so crazy that I just wanted to get the film over with. And she found out she didn't even notice. And She's so hot, and miserable. She yeah. And it was like a razor blade cut. So it's not like, you know, he went it real didn't deep. Hurt. Right. And she found out years later she was furious. Um, How did she find out years later? She found out a couple, I guess, probably in an interview or something. She, she didn't read. notice she had a cut. No, nah, I guess not. Probably just thought it was. She probably had lots of cuts. There was another scene. I didn't even get into this where she's getting hit over and over. And she just told the guy, like, just hit me. You know, and if it, like he couldn't get into the scene, like he didn't want to hit her and finally he did. And then he like left her like bruised because he was actually hitting her with this broom and stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. <coughs> all right. So this this is my favorite part of the story. Uh, Toby Hooper 
He hoped that the Motion Picture Association of America, Please. the MPAA, the people in charge of giving ratings to movies. Yeah. Uh, he would. He hoped they would give it a PG rating. Oh. He was oh, going for a solid PG on that one. PG-13 didn't exist in the 70s. That came in like the mid-80s. And so it was like PG or R, right? Like you didn't have anything in between. He was, he was, he. <laughs> he really thought he was going to get. So they told him that. Lay down, Sam. If. If he didn't have a lot of blood in it, which there isn't truly isn't a lot of blood in the movie. Uh, there's violence of, you know, puts a puts a live person on a meat hook. I don't know if hits people with hammers like there's a lot. He chainsaws the guy in the wheelchair repeatedly and there is blood. It's not like a shit ton of blood that would come out if you were actually chainsawing someone. Uh, but he really thought he could get a PG rating to get a wider audience for this fucking thing. <laughs> He's like, yeah, we're definitely making them just the parental guidance, you know, suggested. <laughs> so he he was going for a PG rating due to its minimal amount of visible gore. Instead, mm-hmm. it was originally rated X. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> After several minutes were cut out, it was resubmitted to the MPAA and received an R rating. So he, he got eventually just they, they settled on an R rating, obviously. Um a uh, distributor apparently restored the offending material at one point, and at least one theater presented the full version under the, the R rating. In San Francisco, cinema goers walked out of theaters in disgust, and in February 1976, two theaters in Ottawa, Canada, were advised by local police to withdraw the film lest they face morality charges. Um, Toby Hooper passed away in 2017 at the age of 74. And uh, He was also famous for the movie Poltergeist. Gunnar Hansen passed away from pancreatic cancer. And a year before he died, Marilyn Burns, the woman who played <coughs> Sally, died too. I don't know what she died of, but um, but yeah, that's that's one of the best horror movies out there. And it is br- like the scene where you first meet Leatherface stays with me to this day. Yeah, you made us watch it twice today. Yeah, I love that scene. It's just so intense and just the the sound editing. And everything about that when he just shows up fucking twitching. Yeah, he hits the guy with the hammer. He falls down. He starts twitching and he just picks him up. And then the way he slams that metal door, it was so unnerving as a kid, especially. It's really good. And it's still a great scene. It's really well done. Yeah. It's just like, holy shit. It's it's mind blowing. So if you haven't seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I highly recommend it. It is one of the greats. It's very unsettling and unnerving. And it's not one of those. I mean, like the makeup on the old grandpa doesn't really hold up well under <laughs> high definition con- conditions. But yeah, a no. lot of this, every almost everything else in that movie is pretty believable. Also, the guy who played Franklin, the guy in the wheelchair, he was a theater actor and he played it very method. And so he got the vibe. You know, he understood that this character was kind of whiny, so he stayed whiny. So nobody really liked him. Yeah. And Gunnar Hansen he's said he's like that. He's like that was the only character I really enjoyed killing. <laughs> was he's fucking awful. The guy in the wheelchair. And you can't help but hate him. Yeah. Like and that's second, what he's supposed to be. And though. the second you meet him, you hate him. Yeah, he is. He's, he's whiny. Like, fucking, I hate this guy. Uh, and yeah, you just can't help but hate him. But yeah, I, I see. I didn't, I didn't do movie. Star Wars. You probably thought I was going to do Star Wars. Watch no, I didn't. Star Wars. I thought you were going to do Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Shut up. You only thought that today. And so I, let, let me tell everybody. I got to tell everybody something. So there, there's something called Plex. Plex is an app. And basically you use it. Uh, you can if you have movies on your on your hard drive, on your computer, you can just use your hard drive as a server and then stream your movies to any device that has the Plex app, be it your phone or 
your smart TV or your, your Chromecast, whatever, basically. And I'd heard of it before. When Mark added me to his account is when I was the first time I actually used it. These people don't know who Mark is. My friend Mark. Okay. My friend Mark. Uh, and then I just I decided I was like, well, I need to start doing this. So I, I only have three movies on my own Plex account. And they are the despecialized editions of the original Star Wars trilogy. So now, instead of having to carry a thumb drive around the house, I can stream. <laughs> Which he was doing. Yeah. That's not a joke. Yeah, because I don't, I don't have them on disc. Because uh, Logan was trying to, he bought blank Blu-rays. And then Matt gave us that Blu-ray drive. but uh, And the, Logan ripped one, but it, it wouldn't play in a standard Blu-ray player. It would like, play on a PC. But um, So anyway... I have the, the original, original versions of the Star Wars movies, and it's been great. I can stream them without any trouble now, just using a remote, and uh, and it's fant- it's been fantastic. It's been a great, great week. And this this time of year is kind of like Star Wars season for me. It's it's starting early this year for some yeah, reason. Yeah, this I'm is starting ex- early. It, it normally is. doesn't start until November. <laughs> <laughs> but November, The Mandalorian comes out on Disney+. Plus. We get a new Star Wars movie in December at the theaters, and it's it's all Sean very exciting. Goes whole hog into into Star Wars season in <laughs> in Star winter. Uh, but so I, I thought I was going a different direction by doing a horror movie today because I I am it also is horror movie season. It's actually horror movie. That's season. why I did Amityville. Yeah, because I did Texas Chainsaw. No, because oh. it's horror movie time. It is horror movie time. Um, Duh. But again, for some reason, it's also Star Wars time. It's always Star Wars time, though. So, uh, yeah, that, that's all I got this week. Same. I'm about to have a coughing fit, so let's wrap it up. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Thank you. And don't forget to check out Couple Goals, Patreon. All that stuff. And all our social media and stuff. Bye. Bye.